Live Creative Now, episode 125. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, 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 hello. I am Melissa Dinwiddie, Passion Floralite Artist, Happiness Catalyst, and Creativity Instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between. No matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world because that's how it works. Change your own life and the world changes. Today, I have a conversation, a special guest. I love these conversations. I so enjoy having conversations with people. <laughs> and today, I have a conversation with Noah Scott, who was sitting in a walk-in freezer when he spoke with me the other day. Now, granted, the freezer wasn't actually turned on. He wasn't in below freezing temperatures when we were talking, because apparently... I did not know this, but apparently decommissioned walk-in, excuse me, walk-in freezers make really good sound recording studios. Who knew? But still, he said, because it used to be an actual working walk-in freezer, it smelled a little weird, (laughs) which was kind of amusing. Anyway, he was sitting in this walk-in freezer when we had this conversation because this freezer is part of a startup accelerator and co-working space called the Expert Dojo in Los Angeles, where Noah, who is a director and a producer and founder of the film production company LA Reels, brings his expertise to bear. But the reason I brought him on the podcast is because film, film expertise is actually pretty new in Noah's life. And his story is pretty cool. It all started with a 500 kilometer walk across Japan about five years ago, and a spontaneous decision to film that walk with his iPhone. But I will let Noah tell that story. So have a listen to my conversation with Noah Scott. Enjoy. You know, for me, I'm just, I'm at that stage right now where I really want to just, I feel like I've got a lot of experimenting done where I've hit my head on the, against the wall, trying to figure stuff out. And now it's at the point where it's time to share. It's here's the stuff that I've learned. Here's the mistakes that I've made. And you know, this is the insight that I've picked up. Now it's time to start sharing that with the world. So 
that's kind of my reason for getting out there and, and trying to get on some good shows and, and share the message. So, Well, cool. Well, we're already recording, so let's just dive in. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me on the show. This is actually really, really exciting. So I'm in the freezer here. And the only, the only problem about being in a walk-in freezer that's been you know repurposed for uh, recording is it kind of smells really funny. So you are literally in a walk-in freezer. A walk-in freezer. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at a place in Santa Monica called the expert dojo. And, uh, it's like this amusement park for entrepreneurs, right? They've, they've just like gutted the, it was an old restaurant that they gutted and they turned it into this, um, yeah, it's a, it's a training ground. It's like a business accelerator for startups and stuff. So it's really infectious energy. Everybody that's coming here is, is young and excited about, you know, making their app the next big thing. And, and it's, it's a cool spot to be. So I joined this as a, as a sort of a business community about a year ago and a year and a half ago or so, and have just enjoyed coming here so much. And they let me use the space to, to do stuff like this. So it's great. So is that, is that like you pay a monthly fee or something to participate? Exactly. Exactly. It's, there's elements of it that are kind of like a co-working space, but then there's so much more involved that, that they, it really is like an accelerator program. And, you know, I'm working with them now to create a video training course, which is like everything you need to know to like run a startup, like from zero to a hundred. So that's, that's going to be pretty solid. We'll, we'll be releasing that pretty soon. But um, so you're, you are creating a course for people who want to start their own business. Is that yeah, exactly. Exactly. For it's designed for startups. So they they've had a curriculum that they've developed here at the at the, at the Expert Dojo for a while, and um, to help people go from idea to mapping out a business plan to getting funding and to nailing their objectives. Um, so they've done that training in person up until now, and now they're they're bringing me on um, to produce all the video content. And we've got like 10 hours of like experts coming in and teaching and lecturing. And I get to put all the little cool graphics in the video and stuff like that. So it's pretty exciting, you know, and I'm learning a lot in the process too, which is like the whole reason for why do we do all this stuff anyway? It's like, what are we going to learn out of it? Right. So oh my it's God, a win-win so with you there. Yeah. yeah. I'm a learner. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and your area of expertise is, is film. really is film. So, and how, like, where, where did that start? Is that something that were you always really into film as a little kid? No, you know, it was, it was, it's a new thing. It's, it's, it was about five years ago, five, six years ago. I was um, out of work. I was doing modeling and I just, I didn't have it figured out. I was waiting tables at a restaurant and nothing was working. I was broke and I was like 29. Right. So I, I, something inside of me was saying, Noah, you've got to figure this out. Like there's more to life than what you're doing. And I felt this voice inside of me saying, all right, get out of your comfort zone, go do something outrageous. And I had studied Japanese in college. So I decided I'd go to Japan. I packed everything up. I sold all the stuff out of my apartment. I had a backpack and a tent. And I, I think I had about like 35, 30, 35 to 500 bucks. I don't, I don't remember the exact number. But it was like not enough at all. And I decided to walk across the country. And I was following the, I was looking for the modern day locations of Hiroshige's paintings, the woodblock paintings. So he had done these 53 uh, stations of the Tokaido. So I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to walk on foot across Japan. 
<laughs> like I was way over my head, you know, and I, I didn't put any planning into it really at all other than like finding where these locations were supposed to be. And I got on the bus, I made it to Kyoto and man, it was tough. Blisters on my feet, the whole nine yards. And the, but the interesting thing was I, I decided to film a documentary with my iPhone about the whole thing. And the process of filming it, I think really helped me find who I was on the journey. I mean, cause that was the point for me. It was, there, there was this, there was this quest to see Hiroshige's paintings, but I think deeper than that, there was this quest for me to figure out who I was and what I was doing with my life. And I remember it was about two months into the journey. I was, I was on this seawall in a little town called Numazu. This is kind of like in between Shizuoka and Tokyo. And, uh, Money had long been out and I had kind of been working on farms and sake factories in exchange for a place to sleep. And I remember I was on this wall, like the sea was out to my right, the sunset was setting in front of me. And I had this like momentary of, of like inspiration where I was like, this, what I'm doing with this iPhone and like telling this story, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to help people tell stories with film. I'm going to be a filmmaker. So I had this whole like, you know, this epiphany there. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And, and then, you know, you had to come back, I had to come back to LA and figure out how to start that process. That was the hard part, I think. But, you know, I think there's this, this discovery bit, when you're hit with all this inspiration, I feel like, you know, when you get that moment of inspiration, you feel like you can do anything, right? You feel like, okay, cool. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. Now I know where the path is. I'm ready to walk it. So I got an internship. I, I, uh, I found a, a friend of mine was a, was a director. So I, I got an internship with him and for eight hours of the day, I was learning everything I could with him. And then the other remainder of the day, I was on YouTube diving in, learning tutorials. How do I do, how do I do cinematography? How do I do, uh, how do I write good scripts? How do I do motion graphics? How do I do visual effects? How do I add blood into a gunshot wound and stuff like that? So I dove in and, and, uh, I built a company with, I got a team together. And I think that was the key. I think it's about surrounding yourself with a team and to recognize that you can't do everything on your own mm. and to find people that have a similar passion. And then together, when I run out of steam, when they run out of steam, it's like we, we have this community now. Now it's bigger than just me. It's bigger than just uh, the two of us. Now it's, now it's a team. So I had, I had a, a buddy, he was a Japanese rock star, Tadahisa Yoshida. And I said, hey, Tada, I need a sound guy. Do you want to come on board? He was like, okay. And I, I had uh, my cousin, he was a photographer. I said, Clint, do you want to be my cinematographer? He said, yeah, okay. And uh, five years later, we, we just finished our first feature film. So I think that's the beauty is that once you just start going down a path, then you meet the people that you need to help you get to that goal. Wow. That, that has definitely been my own experience as well is it's not a matter of, okay, I, I know what I want to do. And I, I, you know, now I have to, I have to know exactly how to get from A to Z. I have to know all the steps in order to get from A to Z. No, 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 no. You have this general dream and you just have to start walking, right? You just have to know, um, mm -hmm like the next little step. Yeah. That's all you really need to do is take that next step because it's walking the the steps. It's taking those steps that is going to teach you what you need to know 
to take the next right. step, right? And who just, you need to become in order to in order to make that dream a reality. Absolutely. And I think it's all about going, you know, like you said, what's that next step? It's about from zero to one, you know, and I think like, you know, you start off with not knowing how to get from A to B, you know, but if you just say that in between A and B, there's 10 points and you just start from going from zero to one. And like, you know, we didn't, we, to make our feature film, first we had to get the script. So I go from having zero script to having one script. (laughs) And then you go from having uh, the script to now you have to get the money. And so we did a fundraising campaign. We raised enough money to sort of shoot the film, uh, you know, and get by. And then it goes from having the film shot to having to get the film edited. And you just, you just break it down into these little pieces, little chunks, and you go from zero to one. And I think that's such a beautiful process when you, when you really think about it like that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we, if we think that we need to know everything and we need to be like the person, this, I don't know, like we have this idea that we need to, to be this person that we're not yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're going to become that person through the process of taking all those little steps and learning yeah. all the things that you need, that you're going to learn in the process of doing all the stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think I've I've kind of found a system, you know. For sometimes, if if I'm hitting a wall at times, and I'm like, how do I know what my next project's going to be, or how do I figure out, you know, if if something starts to get mundane, and I'm like, how do I find the inspiration again? I, I've sort of worked out a little system that I think, you know, for, for, for those of you out there, if, if you're sort of struggling to find what your next passion is or what your, what your next project is, um, I think I've, I've had enough duds. I've had enough mistakes. <laughs> like, I've had enough projects that I've started and I ran out of gas. I ran out of energy um, that I've sort of been able to work out a path. So a little, foolproof, a little foolproof path to kind of hotwire your momentum and um, I think, I think there's, a, there's a few tactics you can do if you want to sort of inject a spark of creativity into your life. And I think the first thing that works for me a lot is to talk to your peers. You know, if, if you're sort of missing out on what it is that you want to get done and you, you, can't, you can't figure out what your next project's going to be or how you're going to get through a project, I think talking to your peers is like this form of therapy. I think it really opens up uh, your... And I think you have to be very serious about it too, though. You have to give your friends permission, uh, the, that permission to criticize you or that permission for, for them to elicit the truth that's sleeping inside of you. I think you need to go into the conversation and just say, hey, Johnny or Lucy, whatever, whatever your friend's name is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need, I'm going to be very vulnerable and tell you this deep struggle I'm having. And I want to give you full permission to speak your mind. I want to I elicit something that's, you know, something that's in me. And I understand that I need some shaking up if I'm going to find that momentum. So that's, I think, idea number one. That usually works for me if I'm having some struggles or I'll sort of throw, throw some ideas at the wall and they'll come back to me with some fresh ideas. The other one, this is what I did with Japan, is you just change your environment. You just get out of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And it can be so simple as just like standing up and going for a walk. It can be so simple as, you know, getting on the subway and just going until it ends and, and getting out of the subway and seeing where you're at. 
Um, you know, or you can do the extreme and go on a road trip, take a sabbatical, walk across the city and just go in some random farm and ask for a, ask for a job. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a million ways to sort of get that. But I think the idea is if you just shake yourself up, get out of your comfort zone, um, you'll be able to sort of get a new perspective. And then that's when you open yourself up for synchronicity. And I think synchronicity is like the real beauty in being creative. If you sort of get out of the same path you're walking every single day and you open yourself up to randomness, I think there's something out there like the muse or the, or the gods, whatever it'll, it'll sort of be able to channel through. But if you're in the mundane, the day to day and you don't change your environment, I think you sort of close those doors and you don't get any fresh insight in. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a few other things I like to read. If ever I get stuck reading is, is really good or, or, looking at the art of other people. And that, and that really brings in some inspiration. You can see the people who have blazed the trail before you and, and just kind of get those fresh ideas pouring in. Um, another thing I'll do is I'll just start with an outline. Actually, this is something I've got, I really has been working well. If I'm trying to figure out uh, an idea that, if I've got 20, 30 ideas, something I'll do is I'll, I'll just write them all out on a piece of paper and then I'll start like scoring them you know, you score them on a one to 10, right? So if you're something that, and then I do like three different categories. So I'll put down a little, a little bucket and I'll see how passionate I am about this idea. And if like, I've got 20 different ideas for a blog topic, say, you know, I'm gonna write a new blog and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like, okay, cool. Here's 20 ideas. I'm gonna score them on a one through 10 about how passionate I am. And I guarantee you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, you'll be able to start ruling out the ones that don't mean that much to you. And you'll be able to find the three, the four, the five that are really, important and you'll be able to get through like whatever resistance shows up but then here's the other part too if you can also sort of put another bucket for how relevant that topic is or how like the market needs it because i mean i've made so many short films i've made so many little uh, speeches or projects that nobody watches nobody cares about it and that's so you put yourself out there you create something and you're so vulnerable but if you don't do the preparation to actually see if the market really needs this, if, if people really are struggling with this, you can waste a lot of time. And, and granted, you're going to be able to learn something along the process, but putting that time to like just go through, take your topic, enter it into Google AdWords, see how popular that is. You know, if you're getting something that has a lot of competition, maybe that idea has already been served by some other artists. Maybe that idea is not as relevant as people. Maybe people just don't need it right now. Maybe it's something that will come again later. But saving yourself that, that process of kind of going in there and making something that nobody really cares about or not enough people care about right now, you know, doing that homework beforehand can save you a little bit of that frustration. So, yeah. Absolutely. And you have to think about what is your goal? I mean, if your goal is purely to do it for your own enjoyment, you know, like, like right now, the art that I make is I'm not doing it to sell. I'm not doing it to try and please clients. I did that. I did that for, you know, 15 years or whatever. And I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) I don't want to make art for clients. I don't want to be art directed. I don't want to try to um, do that particular work for other people. I want to do it purely for me. So, so what happens then is that I make my art 
I put it out there in the world because I have a practice yeah. of sharing my art, right? And so I have to be okay with the fact that when I share my art in the world, I'm not going to get a lot of likes, right? I'm exactly. not going to get a lot of response for it to it. If my goal is to get, you know, likes, is to get money, is to win awards or something like that, then I have to approach it from a completely different place. Then I mm -hmm. have to think about that intersection between what I want to create and what other people are going to respond to, right? What they're going to want yeah. to pay for, what they're going to, you know, give me lots of awesome feedback around. Totally different animals, right? So I I have, love you that. have to think about it in advance. If you are making it purely for your own enjoyment, know that, be really clear about that and own it and exactly. embrace it, right? Hell yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have that intrinsic motivation, I mean, that's the thing that, 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 that's the reason why you wake up in the morning. I mean, and you got to have that why. I mean, Simon Sinek calls it the why, right? Yeah. It's that thing that, you know, why is it that you're breathing? Why is it that you're picking your head up off the pillow every morning and you're diving into life? And I think that if you have that, it doesn't matter how many views you get or how many, how many people buy you the art. It's about, do you have enough courage and gusto to keep creating? Right. And I think that that's the first step, right? It's like asking yourself why you're doing it. Because right. if you don't know why you're doing it, something's going to, something's going to show up. Something's going to come up and something's going to distract you. And then you're going to have 50 paintings that you haven't even finished <laughs> like, <laughs> right. because you don't have the motivation to finish. And, and it's, it's so important to know the why. And I mean, that, that goes straight into like with our feature film. And like when we did that, it was purely, it was all self-funded. There was no, um, we didn't have, the the luxury of having things go smooth right we weren't a studio production that had a lot of backing it was all just the sweat of our labor and for three years of of not having things going smooth and just like pure sweat equity we had to do like clients on the side in order to to siphon money in there was a lot of like self-motivation and i think that our why was the biggest driver for that it was the the why of we want to create this because this is a story that's dear to our heart. This is a story that we, it's not just the, the sunk cost of we've invested so much of our time into it. And now we want to finish it, but it was just this, we want to share this story with the world and we want it to be the best piece of art that we possibly can make. So yeah, the, 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 the why is, is so critical. It's so critical. Yeah. On the other hand, the, the work that I do, which is also art right? The, the other work that I do that is for pay, it's important to me that I do make money from that art. Like I'm, I'm now taking the creative work, the mm -hmm. work that I've been doing around creativity and play and bring it into the corporate arena. Right. And it's critical that I get very clear about how am I solving people's problems with this? Mm -hmm. And how, how can I communicate that? And what are the problems that need to be solved? And that's really, really, really important. Because if I don't do that well, then nobody's ever going to pay me, right? Right. And I think in a sense, you're almost like a, like a, a translator or like an interpreter. Because you're, you're seeing, they're coming to you without the skills to 
put their vision into life, right? So you've got to sort of act as this translator and decipher and elicit the, like the core of what it is that they want and then translate it inside to figure out how to get that out. What kind of, what kind of strategies do you have to, to sort of see that vision and then like channel it through you to the final product? Oh, well, this is all work in progress right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. Just, I'm just, I just totally geek out on that process, right? It's like a, of the, the process of like asking questions to the client and just like, and then like figuring out like what is the core story that they want to tell? Because I mean, I think in, in film especially, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're going through a lot of our clients and it's like they're, we're trying to elicit the best performance they possibly can give. Or if it's, if it's for a commercial client, like what's the best story they can possibly give and then do that. So that it's like their best pitch ever that they've ever done. And like, you just find that like core identity or that core message. And then you present it in a way that like captures the emotional appeal of the viewer of the end viewer. And I think, so there's like, you know, a few questions we, we typically ask, like number one, it's very interesting. The first question I always ask is what's similar out there? that you could see yourself or your story being like, you know, and so you first draw inspiration from other people who have walked the path before you. And I think that really helps to narrow something in. And then I think you just get in there and say like, okay, so what kind of genres do you see this being at? So like, if it's a comedy, do you want it to be a drama? Do you want it to be um, something that's very corporate? And then I think from there, you just kind of get a little more specific, a little more specific until you, have hit the nail on the head. And, and that's, I mean, that's just the, the way, again, I think you, it, everything comes down to just taking this big lofty idea and then just breaking it, at, breaking it down. Boom, 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 boom. And once you can get that, so it's just these little bite-sized chunks that you can't have any doubt about anymore. It's so easy. It makes mm. it so much easier. Man. It's so cool. So, so what are the, what kinds of clients do you work with and what, what do you, how do you translate you know, what's the end product that you give them that you provide for them? Um, so I've got the, our, our first clients that we started working with were actors. So we started as a demo reel production company. So LA reels, right? So we, we had this, we saw this need in the market. There was uh, one, I wanted to be the best filmmaker I possibly could be. So I needed to get out there and start shooting. And I wanted to tell great stories. So I found, I found actors who were, um, who wanted to get work, but they needed to show that they could work. They, they needed to show that they could act first. So we started producing some scenes for them that showed their skills and the characters they wanted to play. And, you know, we've produced thousands of these scenes for actors. Uh, that was kind of our first little thing. Um, currently, I'm also working with a company, Single Grain. They're like a marketing agency in downtown. And I'm producing a lot of their... Uh, he's doing a lot of like educational videos. So how do you grow your marketing? How do you do all this stuff? And, and so I'm basically sitting him down in a room, taking his ideas and turning that into a very valuable educational product with some cool motion graphics and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much the bulk of it. Um, we've done music videos. We've done things like uh, video game promotionals. You know, we, my favorite one, we had this, we had this animated cat came into a room and started dancing and with, the, with his grandma. <laughs> I mean, we get, we get a play. I mean, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of being a filmmaker. So we get to go into all kinds of industries. Like 
uh, pharmaceutical companies, video game companies, and we get to just listen to their story and and help them tell it. It's That's really, really fun. cool. So you so so when you were twenty nine, yeah, and this is what five years ago. I'm thirty four now, so yes. So like five years ago, you said, ah. I think I'll just go to Japan and walk across the country. Yeah, right. And during that walk, you're like, eh, I think I'll document this on my iPhone. And that process made you realize, wow, I want to tell stories in film. Exactly. That experience led you to turn that desire into a creative business for yourself where you now use that art, that creativity to distill people's stories and their creative skills into marketing um, pieces for themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think, I think there's something so beautiful about having, I think, I believe everybody should have some kind of video or, or art that tells their story, right? I think, I think so many of us go through life without having what I like to call, or I think what Gary Vaynerchuk calls, and I just kind of borrowed it from him, is, that, is a manifesto, right? Is this, is, this, is this core story about who you are? And I think it's so critical, you know, that we have a reason to create, you know, something, you know, if somebody were to ask you why you do what you do, I think we need to take that time to really plan ahead what that reason is. Because who knows what kind of opportunities are going to be waiting for us? Who knows what kind of um, challenges are going to be there? And if we don't have that figured out in advance, it gets so easy to just fall on your face. It gets so easy to just look at the challenges and say, like, I don't know what to do. And I think that taking the time to just put that manifesto together, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just taking the time to just think ahead about what it is that you stand for, you know, and, and just asking that question about what's the problem that I solve in life or what's the, what's the art that I make or what's the, what's the thing that just excites me. And if you just take that and just, even just if it's one sentence that doesn't make any sense, at least you have a start. And I think that's so important. And so many of us will benefit from it's funny because once you start saying that, you can use a framework that I like to say is like, I believe that X, you know? And so what I like to say is I believe that everybody needs a great video to tell their story. And so if you have that framework, it makes it so easy to just kind of like when you're stuck for words, you can just go back to your manifesto. Oh yeah, this is what I do. This is who I am. And so when, when struggles come up, when challenges come up, it's a lot easier to just say, Oh, that's right. I already have this question answered. I already know what to do. And if you don't do the preparation, if you don't have that answer, you're just kind of getting thrown around in life. And it's like you're on somebody else's schedule. It's just, just a lot easier. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot easier if you, if you take the time in advance to do that. But um, yeah, I was going somewhere and I, and I just don't remember where I was going. Is that what you always come back to though? Is that with that... Is that your manifesto? You know, and it's always evolving too. It's always evolving. Sure. Um, but I think, I think that, right, because when, 
when life throws you a curveball and you don't exactly know where you're going, it's, it's always, I mean, it's just, it's just important to have at least a guess, you know, at least, a, at least a passion that you can kind of chase after. And for me lately, it's been this, it's been this video thing. I'm doing these like public speech videos where I'm like, okay, cool. Like I've got to, I've got to take all the stuff that I've learned, all the stuff that I'm struggling with. And for some reason I keep repeating the same mistakes again and again and again. I think all of us struggle with that. Right. So I'm like, all right, I've got to fix, I've got to solve this procrastination thing. Right. So I started writing a blog post about procrastination. I figure, okay, cool. If I can go out there, I'm going to research why procrastination procrastination happens and I'm going to like really learn about it and then I'm going to write a speech and then I'm going to give the speech and I'm going to film it and I think taking that time to prepare to do that has sort of helped me kind of solve those problems and for me that's been that's been my latest manifesto right it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna take the initiative to get out there and figure out the reasons why I keep repeating the same mistakes why I keep falling short of my goals, why I keep comparing myself to other people. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take these challenges that I'm facing and I'm going to really face them head on and I'm going to turn it into something that I can share with other people. So that's been my, my manifesto lately. I'm going to, I'm going to sort of learn and I'm going to share. And the more I can share, the more I can help somebody else get through these challenges, then, you know, that's enough to keep me going. You are such a man after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know this is why I this is why I sent you that email. Yeah. I mean, that's why I started my blog in 2010 because I was on such a learning journey and I I mean all I knew was that I needed to figure out the life I really really wanted, which I would now call a full color life. I didn't have that terminology back then. And and the other thing I knew was that I just needed to share what whatever it was that I was learning, I just needed to share it. Yeah. That's all I really knew at the time. So I'm there's so a alignment with what <laughs> everything you're talking about. <laughs> nice. You know, there's a there's a quote I read in Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. Or the art of war. No, the war of art, yes. Um and it was something it was like he's he opened the book up with it about this this I don't remember the it was from a song like the guy's got the boogie in him and he's got to let him out. I think that that is everything that it's about. It's you know inside of us all there's this boogie that's just like waiting to be out like released on the world. And so many of us, me included, you know we we go through life afraid to let that boogie out. But it's so awesome when it comes out. I mean it's so incredible when you're just in the flow and you're just like Taking that initiative and like staring all of your fears in the face and taking that step anyway. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than having that feeling of accomplishment. You know, you can get a good paycheck. That's also really good. You know, when you do a good job for a client and they give you a nice fat paycheck and then they bring you back to do another job. But that feeling of accomplishment about looking back and saying, I could have sat by the wayside and not written that blog post. Or that feeling like you could have just sat there and let someone else do it, right? And just appreciated the art that someone else made. But there's something so incredibly awesome about looking at your own work. And it may be not the best work. And it's certainly not going to be the best work if it's the first time you do something. But there's something so awesome about knowing that you 
stared your fears in the face. You looked at all the things that were challenging you and you took that step and you made that thing happen. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's enough motivation. Like, I love doing projects I don't get paid for because, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, all right, cool. What am I going to learn from this? Am I going to feel, <laughs> am I going to feel accomplished from this? Right. And that's enough. That's enough. So, well, I often think about when, when I, when I think about when I, and when I talk about, when I teach the concept of like dealing with a creative block, which of mm-hmm. course we have all struggled with. Right. And we all, and how many times have I thought to myself in the past, how many times have I, <laughs> my story is like, oh, writing is hard. I guess I'm not supposed to be a writer and then quit for 15 years. I didn't write for 15 years. Yeah. Oh, I suck at doing art. Other people are the artists. And then I quit for 15 years. I didn't do art for 15 years. It's like a, a theme in my life, right? That block, we think, too often we think it's a stop sign. Mm-hmm. But creative blocks blocks of any kind. They're not stop signs. They're not blocks to creativity. Pushing through the block is the creativity. And anytime I have any doubts about that, I think about all the times I beat my head against a wall, struggling with some kind of technical issue, like on my website, you're like, ah, oh, I can't figure this out. I can't figure this out. I can't figure this out. Screaming, screaming, you know, like gnashing my teeth and pulling out my hair. And then when I finally figure it out, oh my God, the feeling of pride and excitement. My God, I did it. You know, there's never a more amazing feeling than achieving something that's really, really, really hard and frustrating, right? If it's easy, who cares? Big whoop, right? But when it's hard and you overcome that frustration and that challenge, oh my God, that feeling is amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think all mastery starts at a rookie level, right? Like, so whatever whatever it is, like, you know, if you, if you feel that frustration when you're first going into something, I think it, it's, it's important to just look at the things that you've done that you already have mastery in and then like go on this like timeline and look back and be like, wait a second. That's right. I was a rookie at this one time too. <laughs> and then like what got me a master at this was taking that first step was going through that, that block, you know, and that, and shattering the limits that I thought I had. And I think that there's a reward of mastery waiting on the other side of that block. Yeah. It just takes a hell of a lot of practice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and falling on your butt many, yeah. many times. <laughs> yeah. And you have to have, the, you have to have enough guts and like desire to push through the block though. Some of them are just like, for me, for example, like uh, I, I always have these fantasies about like being a coder or something like that, but I realize it's not for me. Like there's, it's just too big of a mountain for me to go down. I'm not going to learn how to do HTML again. You know, I'm not going to learn how to do it. It's just, I, I recognize that my skills and my talents are in one direction. And I think if I were to continue going in that direction, it, the path of least resistance in some regards, but I think there's a, a deeper level of mastery I can attain going that way. Whereas if I try to go and, and learn bookkeeping, for example, which is important, which is good. If you're running your business, you need to know how to manage the books. But I've sort of started to realize that 
dude, Noah, you got to slow down. Like you can't learn everything. Focus on what you're good at. Focus on what, you know, the direction, the path that you're going and stop trying to do everything. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, it's like um, Malcolm Gladwell in, I think it's in his book Outliers. He talks about um, genius, I believe, talent as love. Yeah. Because the people who become the quote unquote geniuses, right? Who become the true masters, like the masters of the masters, they get there because they stick with it. And the reason they stick with it through all the hard and all the struggle is because they love it because they're so passionate about it. The reason that I'm not uh, a photographic realist is because I'm not passionate about photographic realism. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that Drew has drawn me so far. It's just not something that has kept my interest enough for me to stick with it and you know, practice and practice and practice and get really good at photographic realist painting or you know whatever. It just hasn't appealed to me enough. I haven't fallen in love with it. It's not to say I won't. Who knows? Maybe I will someday, but it's just it hasn't so far. I fell in love with calligraphy. I got really into drawing letters. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> That's what appealed to me. So I got practice for hour, you know, my 10,000 hours or whatever went into drawing letters instead of drawing faces. Love I don't know. It. Whatever. You love what you love. So yeah. there it is. And don't have shame for it. You know, I like don't. Be, take yeah. pride in it. Exactly. You just got to say, this is, this is me. This is what I, this is what I love. Exactly. Embrace your strengths and own them. And yeah, it makes us who we are. So I, I wanted to ask you, and I don't know, this may be a very long question, but, but I didn't know if there was a, a short, maybe brief little way to share okay. something. Um, you had mentioned something that you would be interested in touching on is how to incorporate video in telling your story, whether professionally or at home. Is that something that Let's do it. Let's do it. A little bit about okay. All right. I'll I'll go quick. Um, so if you want to include video, this is 2017, right? I think I think all of us know that we can make video with our iPhone or whatever Google phone. It's in your pocket. Like there's no excuses now. I think each of us has the platform and the ability to create great video. It's just about what can you do to make your video that extra two percent better than everyone else, right? So, and, and, and this, it is really three things, you know, you have to, you have to look at the light, you have to look at the sound and you have to look at, well, I, I guess it's the camera or the, you know, the shooting style, right? So your cinematography, we'll just put it all in that bundle. And I think that if you just take a little bit of time to, um, and I can, I can send you some links to some equipment. You can maybe put them in the show notes or whatever. Or cool. if anyone out there has any questions, I can send you just like my, step, like my like level one, level two, level three uh, gear suggestions. Um, but awesome. yeah, for, you know, there's, there's options out there for just about anything. And I think if you're starting out, start with a budget that's equally, equally distributed for your lights, your sound, and your camera, right? If you're going to use your iPhone, and you want to start with a minimum budget of 100 bucks, I would say invest that in a microphone. Uh, put it in a great microphone because people will forgive your video as style. People are more forgiving with the visual because, you know, it's just, it is what, what it is. But if you have 
sound is very intimate, you know, and if you've got your headphones in and it's really bad audio, uh, just using the internal mic on the, on the iPhone, it's going to be hard. So there's, there's options that you can get that are under $100 that are going to bring your video from the level of all the like Snapchat posts that are embarrassing and the YouTube videos that nobody puts any effort into to that next caliber up that is tolerable, right? So that's the first step. Great sound. Um, great lighting. Uh, real easy to think about this as when you have a bright light source behind you like an open window, use that to your advantage and not your disadvantage, right? So stand with the light, the soft natural light of the window coming in to fill your face and film against like film with the light, right? So whatever bright light source is, is there, like you want to go with that current, right? Think of it as a river, like going down there. You don't want to fight against it. So if you go, if you stand in front of the light and you film towards the light, you're going to be this big black shadow. So it's much better to just kind of find the bright light and go with the current, right? Um, great lights you can get. I would say get a softbox kit. You can get something like that for about 150 bucks. You can get some really nice big LED lights that plug in. Uh, you don't have to have any technical skills to figure these out. They're very simple. Um, Amazon's got some great like three-piece kits for like 150 bucks. You can't go wrong with that. Um, last is your camera, right? Uh, definitely suggest get something like Sony. Uh, Sony's got these Alpha series that are like about a thousand bucks. You can get a good DSLR for under $2,000. If you just want to get a cool camcorder, like a travel cam type thing, they're like around 500 or so. If you just want to use your cell phone, that works too. Just invest in whatever kind of rig to make sure it's nice and stable. Uh, put a tripod on it. There's options for every budget. And I think that's the, that's the question you want to have. Just make sure that whatever budget you go with, don't invest $3,000 in a camera and then 50 bucks on a microphone. Just make sure that it's split out nice and evenly so that your production quality is evenly distributed across the board. And uh, for editing, for editing, there's, there's a lot of options that you can just use iMovie if you're on, on a Mac. If you want to even cut on your iPhone, there's options for that also. There's little apps that you can do just by moving your thumb around. You don't need to be a wizard at it. But I think that the biggest thing is about planning. Plan out what you want to shoot. Write a storyboard visualize it in your head before you actually get to do the process and it'll make it a whole lot easier and make sure that you're not biting off more than you can chew at the beginning. Just don't be intimidated. Uh, start small, start with something you can manage and then kind of just level up from there. So that's my advice to make movies. Uh, if you have questions, you know, hit me up anytime. I'll be sure to, I'll be sure to send you some of my, my go-to recipes for success. Wow. Those are fantastic tips. Thank you. And um, where can people find you? Well, I think the best place is my production website, LA Reels. That's L-A-R-E-E-L-S. Um, and then I'm actually, just because I've got so many projects, I'm putting together a personal site called followNoah.com. So it's just, that way people can just follow everything I'm doing. And I think by the time this goes live, my website should be live. So cruise on over there, follow Noah.com. And, uh, I'll just have all the places that I'm working, all the projects that I'm on. And the cool thing is I've got these videos, these motivational speeches that I'm doing called project spaghetti wall. Uh, these are those I was talking about earlier, these life lessons that I'm learning. I, I just cut them like a music video. I rehearse them. I go out and I speak and I, you know, I hope there's some value there. They're on YouTube. You can check them out. It's free. So, um, I love doing it and yeah. That's I have of, seen, I've watched some of those. They are 
phenomenal. Really awesome. You guys check them out. They're so cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Yeah, you do amazing work. Thank you. So that's about it. Oh, and Scramble. Scramble is my feature film. It comes out in November. Uh, should be everywhere. Should be everywhere. Cool. Yeah. And, I, you know, I forgot to tell you, I think I forgot to mention this. So I do at the end of my podcast, I don't know if you have heard my segment called Something Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so, know if you were pre- prepared to with if you brought something cool with you. I didn't bring it right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to prepare a worksheet. Uh everything you need to know to film video at home. Whoa, well that is an awesome something cool. Yeah. So I mean it's just an A to Z guide, you you know, uh tier one level equipment, tier two level equipment suggestions and then like if you're getting fancy, you know, if you really want to like a rockstar equipment list i'll give you some suggestions for gear um and then some just shooting tips you know what would be the best way to to set up for light what would be the best way to um you know what's also gonna be really cool i'm gonna put some tips on how to talk on camera uh that is a challenge right if you haven't done it before it can be super intimidating i mean people call it it's like it's like more scary than death or whatever uh but i'll tell you something if you get up there and you just practice if you just do it once remember we're going from zero to one so you get up there you do it once it's going to get easier second time and it's a skill just like everything else so i'll give you some practice uh tips and suggestions that you can get up there and start talking like a pro on camera so that'll be in my little worksheet i'll send to you fantastic that is like the coolest something cool i love it (laughs) awesome awesome (laughs) and my something cool this week is medic alert I have been wearing a medical alert bracelet since I was four years old, four or five years old. When I was in kindergarten, I had my tonsils and adenoids out. And during that, you know, simple little surgical procedure, um, they, the anesthesiologist gave me a drug called succinylcholine, which very rarely causes a reaction, which it caused in me. That where, well, normally what it does is it, it's a paralytic and it causes all of your muscles to just like be paralyzed, <laughs> which is normal, including wow. your, yeah, totally normal, including your diaphragm. And the anesthesiologist knows this and they pump your lungs for you and everything's fine. And then in, your diaphragm kicks in again and everything's fine. Except that people who like me lack the enzyme that processes this drug the diaphragm doesn't kick in again. And so the anesthesiologist has to keep pumping your lungs for like two hours until the drug wears off. Thankfully I was at Stanford hospital. So, you know, everything was fine. They knew what was happening. It was a known um, syndrome or whatever. It's not actually an allergic reaction. It's a, I don't know, a sensitivity or something like that. But in any case, because of this drug sensitivity, I have had to wear a bracelet ever since I was four years old and I used to wear it on my right hand, but when I started doing calligraphy and taking art commissions, I had to move it to my left hand because it was gouging the paper. And it mm. really messed me up because it's how I it's how I learned to tell my right from my left when I was a little kid. Yeah. Is it like those little is it like the little metal thing that has like the snake on it? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And okay. since you were we're on video right now, so you can see it has um it has the snake. Yeah, so funny. My girlfriend was just showing me um, hers. And yeah. She's like, I hate wearing this thing. but I- 
<laughs> well, now the cool thing is, so it's, it's called the Medical Alert Foundation, and it's been around since, uh, God, that was whatever. It was, it was the early 70s, so I'm totally dating myself. It was like 19, that was like 1970. I think it's been around since 1970. And uh, it's a f- wonderful, wonderful foundation. And now they have cool bracelets. So Aww. they used to have like really ugly stainless steel, awful bracelets. But now they have really beautiful, all kinds of bracelets. And my bracelet is really pretty. It's hearts and they have a whole range of bracelets now. You can get like the and, LED ones and then just, and then you can go <laughs> raving with them. You can go raving with them, right. Yeah. But it's really great foundation because the, it's known and your, all of your medical records are, you know, maintained. And the, um, if, you know, if I were in an accident, God forbid, and the paramedics came, they would see the bracelet and know, don't give this woman this, this drug because it would be very bad. Um, so, and my mom now has a matching bracelet because she has a condition where she needs to wear a medical alert bracelet. We have matching bracelets now. So that is my something cool medical alert. And I will include a link to the medical alert foundation in the show notes, livecreativenow.com. Well, I don't know the exact number, so you'll have to, <laughs> I will leave that in the intro and the outro. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that's this week's something cool. So again, Noah, thank you for your something cool. And thank you for joining me this week. This has been really, really fun to get a chance to connect with you. I'm so glad you emailed me. Thank you so much. Right back at you. Thank you so much. And thank everybody out there listening. So thank you for your time. And uh, I wish you the best. Thank you. You too. Let's keep in touch. All right. All right. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Noah Scott. Let me know if you resonated. You can leave a comment over at livecreativenow.com slash 125 for episode 125. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, the first thing you can do is share it with a friend. Let other people know that you are enjoying it. And the other thing you can do is hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are really important because that is how other people find the show. They're searching around on iTunes. And if they see that lots of reviews of other shows, or the shows that have lots of reviews are the ones that are going to pop up when somebody does a search. So if you leave a review, then it's going to help this show pop up when other people are searching for other podcasts to listen to. So that's one way that you can actually make a difference and actually change the world for the better. So it's not just doing me a favor, which it is, it would, <laughs> it would really like make my day if you left a review, but you're actually making the world a better place. Also, if you would like to be considered for a listener spotlight, periodically I feature listeners on the show who have been impacted by the show. Uh, that's how you apply. Leave a rating and review on iTunes, and then send me an email letting me know that you've done so, and how the podcast has made a difference in your life. And I might pick you to be featured in a listener spotlight. We'll have a fun conversation, I'll record it, and you'll get featured on the show. So that is it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Mm-hmm. Oh, the creative
Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.